cowboys these days. Not real ones like This is Hunvurdu from Tova. You're listening to WCBN FM and Arbor. General CIA report regarding um, interrogation techniques. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, this document is much more troubling historically than uh, even the mainstream media is realizing. Uh, when we learn today, for instance, and I, I heard an expert who knew some of the contents before it was actually declassified later this afternoon, um, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed may have confessed to being the, quote, mastermind of 9-11 uh, based on uh, threats made by the CIA against his children. Um, the toolbox of the CIA turns, to, uh, turns out to include uh, guns, mock executions, hoods, power drills. I don't know if uh, chainsaws were, uh, were part of it, but we know about the dogs in uh, Abu Ghraib. And uh, this calls into question uh, many aspects of the entire war on terror. Uh, obviously, many of these techniques are nothing short of torture. Uh, it's uh, interesting that the Justice Department today announced that um, the FBI, henceforth, will be taking over interrogation uh, procedures, not the CIA anymore. And uh, not only does this call into question uh, aspects of the official 9-11 investigation that I've always had some trouble with, uh, given the fact that <laughs> um, Philip Zelico, a close associate of uh, Condoleezza Rice, was in charge of the investigation. Mm. But uh, this, this raises even more disturbing questions about how torture may have been used to garner phony intelligence that was then fed to the Congress in the fall of 2002 to justify the Iraq war. Uh, there needs to be a thorough airing of all of this nonsense. And uh, 
I say let the chips fall where they may. Uh, prosecutions, of course, sound like they may be in order here. These are clearly violations of international law and national law, and uh, it's nothing short of disturbing. Well, you have to wonder, too, about the institution of the CIA, the nebulous, really unknown entity that it is. Of course, its budget is largely off-budget. Mm -hmm. um, but the way in which the Bush administration sort of used the CIA publicly in the media as a sort of a whipping boy for, oh, we were fed bad information, and the CIA's attempts to simultaneously defend itself from those criticisms, uh, but without appearing to dispute the president, um, there's probably a lot of in-house uh, sectarianism, if you yeah. will, within the CIA uh, itself as an institution. And once a report like this gets released, uh, the potential, it seems, uh, for a f maybe not a floodgate, but a trickle of uh, increasing information, all of it disturbing, obviously, uh, linked to what many, you know, careful, thoughtful uh, citizens were aware from the start was a fictitious war. Yeah. Uh, fictitious war, obviously, as more and more memoirs are being published, uh, we're learning more about Bush's obsession with Iraq well before he became president, his open admission that uh, he pretty much planned on, quote, finishing the job that his father didn't do. Um, and, of course, you know, even mild-mannered uh, criticism. I noticed that Tom Ridge, uh, who had been uh, Homeland uh, Secretary, uh, th this was an office that was created in the aftermath of 9-11, uh, has an upcoming memoir uh, that will be published uh, officially in uh, early September. But he's now revealing that uh, he was frequently given, uh, or political pressure was exerted on him to up terror warnings to the public. And we've talked extensively on gray matters in the past about how the 2004 election was manipulated specifically by the Bush administration uh, in which... Timely release of uh, Osama bin Laden tapes. Yeah, bin Laden tapes, uh, uh, you know, code, the, 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 the color coding system that, of course, in and of itself, I, I, I wish... Orange Mon alert. I wish Monty Python was still around. Or the prisoner. <laughs> <laughs> we could uh, have delightful skits based on 9-11, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's interesting that... Well, even the fact that 9-11 wasn't pursued as a criminal matter, which it really was, it's a criminal attack, it's not an act of war by a sovereign state, it's not a war on terrorism, that whole investigation should have unfolded as a criminal investigation. Yeah, and and given the fact that Khalid Sheikh Mohammed is now turns out to be one of the known three people that was waterboarded uh, with other um, so-called tortuous uh, tactics... Uh, you know, this toolkit that I was referring to that the CIA, I mean, this comes out of Marquise de Sade. <laughs> yeah. Whips and chains. <laughs> Dogs and broomsticks. Uh, pistols. What was his name? The mock British. Uh... Mock executions, et cetera, et cetera. It's remarkable stuff. And the uh, Ridge book, by the way, is entitled uh, the Test of Our Times, and is due out September uh, 1st from Thomas Dunn Books. I don't expect Ridge is going to rock the boat too much, but it was interesting that in an interview over the weekend, he pretty much indicated that after uh, he felt pressure from uh, 
John Ashcroft and Donald Rumsfeld shortly before the actual date of the 2004 election regarding uh, political pressure, regarding to up the threat posture, as he put it, uh, which he refused to do. Uh, he called it uh, dramatic and inconceivable and proved most troublesome for all of us in the department. And he indicates that there were people in the department, of course, that uh, didn't exactly know what to do. Anyway, he realized it was time to resign. And it's interesting because Ridge was prominently mentioned, by the way, as a VP of mm -hmm. choice for John McCain. He eschewed picking Ridge because of his position on abortion. And when it was leaked that he was on the final three along with the uh, with Joe Lieberman and Mitt Romney, quite a, quite a trio there, <laughs> um, John McCain made this surprise pick of Sarah Palin. And we know how that turned out. So um, I don't expect the Ridge book to be uh, all that interesting. I'm anxiously awaiting the Rumsfeld memoir because I, I think that will contain some interesting uh, internal conflicts regarding uh, who said what, when, and... Well, and also just how, some general weirdness. Yeah, and the, and the whole Karl Rove and who was running right. the show was... You know, how, was the, how was the actual Iraq war being run? Because Rumsfeld, of course, has taken the blame for a lot of things. And, of course, as we like to say down here, Rummy, you big dummy. Well, here's a bizarre little uh, detail... Uh, uh, according to an uh, article in GQ magazine, I'm reading this from the Progressive, has this brief little no-comment section of odd clippings, essentially. Uh, according to GQ magazine, former Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld uh, repeatedly placed biblical quotes mm -hmm. on President Bush's top-secret briefing during the early days of the invasion of Iraq. One briefing paper showed U.S. tanks entering an Iraqi city alongside the quote, Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter. The nation that keeps faith. Stirring words, and really the sort of presentation that, uh, psychologically speaking, is the kind of thing that uh, an overachieving A student puts on a, a book report to mm -hmm. teacher. Yeah. You know, the nice binder, and here's a nice caller photo I downloaded from the internet. Look, it's got us going in, and look, that we're the righteous nation. Well, we're the righteous <laughs> nation. Childish. Uh, and of course, in this in this uh, perversion, you know, the of big brouhaha about McGrahi being released uh, related to the Pan Eleven or the Pan Pan Am One Hundred Three um, terror bombing, uh, crash, yeah. More on that in a second. But the, this issue of the hero's welcome. Well, I was thinking to myself, how does the McGrahi so-called hero's welcome remotely compare to the mission accomplished event that Bush mm. pulled off? Uh, that was a sort of self-orchestrated hero's welcome. He created the image of, you know, the flight suit and the, you know, of course, the it was the Abraham Lincoln. Well, that was the um, the aircraft car carrier that was used to stage the event. Yeah. Um, how does McGrahi's so-called hero's welcome compared to Bush's self-orchestrated hero's welcome? And now, we're going to smoke them out of their holes. Ridiculous. Yeah. And actually, on the subject of torture here, another, uh, I think, relevant quote uh, to throw in here to the mix here in this slow season. Uh, former Minnesota Governor Jesse Ventura, who was he a Republican or an independent? He as was governor? an independent. Okay. 
um, who claims that he was waterboarded as part of Navy SEAL training he received during the Vietnam War era, said uh, recently on Larry King Live that waterboarding, quote, is torture. It's drowning. It gives you the complete sensation that you are drowning. It's no good because you, I'll put it to you this way, you give me a waterboard, Dick Cheney, and one hour, and I'll have him confess to the Sharon Tate murders. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> and Charles Manson <laughs> can be released on uh, <clears throat> compassionate release. Well, I think, you know, Not uh, likely, but. given the spectrum of criminal activity, enterprise, and uh, pure <laughs> demonism, I think Dick Cheney has to trump even Charles Manson for pure evil. Well, and Bush Trump trumps McGraw, a more dangerous criminal. Yeah, and Bush trumps McGraw in terms of death destruction that's connected to state-sponsored terrorism. Right. Um, hands down, uh, the Iraq War, of course, a continuing a disaster. Um, and it's interesting too, by the way, regarding this whole issue of torture, because uh, recently Jane Brody, who writes a Occasionally interesting health uh, column in the Science Times on uh, uh, in the uh, Science Times section of the New York Times on Tuesdays uh, writes a little bit about this this whole issue of death prolonged. Quoting a book from Dr. Jeff Gordon, uh, in which he says the quote the system is not saving lives. We're torturing patients by prolonging their death. And the cost of society is astronomical. And he goes into the details of, you know, when doctors in hospitals commonly, um, they don't pull the plug. They simply acquiesce to the wishes of the patient, who in some cases may have uh, completed a living will. Brody writes, about only one-third of Americans have completed any kind of advanced directive to guide their families and physicians when they cannot speak for themselves. Of the advanced directives that have been executed, many, if not most, are too vague to be truly useful. So uh, it, it's interesting because they, they talk about this all these expenses that are involved in the end of life. I found it interesting, by the way, that there's a map that conveniently shows uh, where Medicare spending is the highest uh, nationwide. And it's, you know, one can expect Florida to be up there. Uh, many elderly retire down there in the Sunshine State, and of course New York and New Jersey. But why exactly are Texas and Louisiana <laughs> the highest on this list? Um, they have the worst health care overall in the state. And it's interesting that Medicare, and I just wanted to read this because we get uh, an idea. This is based on a Dartmouth Medical School study that found wide variations within states and among cities regarding Medicare spending per beneficiary. In Miami, Florida, Medicare spent 16351 per beneficiary in 2006, almost twice the average of the 8331 in San Francisco, they said. Hmm. Now, I find that interesting because San Francisco is known in the United States to pretty much have the highest cost of living. So why is Miami spending almost twice as much? Fraud? Keeping oh. patients alive longer than necessary? Um, 
Well, there's one other way to look at the semantics of that phrase, uh, prolonging the dying yeah. uh, in the Brody piece that I think is, is also worth mentioning. Um, and, and that's because the emphasis isn't on widespread availability to preventative medicine, which everybody knows is cheaper to you know inoculate children, to catch diseases in an early stage. And so when the uninsured end up with these expensive procedures that are necessary later if they you know are suffering from ailments that could have been caught earlier then these are unnecessary costs that don't need to be entered into mm -hmm. so it's it's uh worth looking at both sides of the uh, prolonged dying maybe so many people don't need to start dying so early yeah and we need of course in this debate about health care and we'll, obviously we can talk more about it as some actual bills that we can analyze come to the fore. One of right. the, one of the problems with the debate thus far is there isn't anything on on the table yet. There's just yeah. a lot of theoretical discussions and negotiations that are occurring within the process of how legislation is made. So all the hysteria about death panels and uh, pulling the plug on grandma and all these phrases that have been concocted by a very well organized and well. Um, financed uh, propaganda campaign. It's all that can be said. I mean, this, this is uh, setting all-time records. Mm -hmm. And we don't even have a bill out there yet <laughs> to criticize. This is what we call the, you know, setting up the public to believing all these things that are true that are not true. And Obama has unfortunately had to spend too much time over the last several weeks trying to debunk things. But I want to get back to the issue of health and the priorities of the GOP that purports to be trying to save money uh, for the public. It's interesting. Um, over the past 20 years, the share of Americans, 40 to 75, who eat five servings of fruits and vegetables a day has dropped to 26 percent from 42 percent, according to the latest analysis on the authoritative national survey. The obesity rate has increased to 36% from 28%. And 43% of Americans said they work out at least 30 times, 30 minutes, three times a week, down from just over half. Um, it's well known that one of the reasons America ranks, uh, in a, you know, it's staggering. We rank something like 35th in uh, healthcare life expectancy, mm -hmm. and we are shockingly bad in, in the area of uh, child death, death rates, compared to the most advanced countries. More And on even that. some not-so-advanced countries. Yeah, yeah. We are the equivalent of Cuba. And, of course, we've imposed an embargo on Cuba for many, many <laughs> decades now. Um, and they live just as long as we do. Um, but this is interesting that uh, the Republican Party has been endlessly talking about uh, budget cuts. We can't afford this. This is one thing that they want to uh, cut. Says the Republicans in submitting, this is dated uh, from the AP the 4th of uh, June of this past year. Uh, the Republicans uh, have come up with $23 billion in spending cuts over the next five years. That is really impressive progress on the deficit, I might add. It's not even $5 billion a year. But rather than proposing, for example, the elimination of the education department, as they have in the past, Republicans are suggesting killing a program that pays for building sidewalks, bike paths, and crossing guards as part of the Safe Routes to School program 
that would save $183 million a year. Well, let's have a parade in their honor. <laughs> Can anybody rationally believe that cutting those kinds of programs, $183 million a year, makes any sort of sense whatsoever? When the entire problem in the United States of America is people don't walk enough. It's been the suburban sprawl, the lack of sidewalks that hurt. Who would on earth would even contemplate cutting safe routes to schools? This is <laughs> what children, you know, they take advantage of these programs. And thank goodness that Ann Arbor has crossing guards at some of our busy streets like Pauline and Packard that allow elementary school children. Ten times a week to cross very busy streets. To cross busy streets appropriately. The guards come out. Most of them are elderly, <laughs> um, possibly obese, but they have jobs. They show up. It's called safety. It's, it's called also called community. <laughs> community. It's called prevention. And by golly, that actually costs money. And I doubt, by the way, in Ann Arbor, it's paid by the federal government. But well, that's the very sort of thing that government should be expected to pay for. And they should be paying more, not right. contemplating a cut. I mean, this is the, the this is the reality. And yet we'll hear all this nonsense about, oh, well, we can't afford to reform health care. We but need to save $183 million. We do need another shipment of drone missiles to kill... Uh, Pakistani wedding parties. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's this incredible irrationality of what the truth is, rather than the, the nonsense about death panels, the Internet, and, you know, how, how the, these things, or bringing guns to public events. I'm all in favor of people packing their pistols when Obama show, shows up, I guess, provided the Secret Service is allowed to blow your head off <laughs> if you even remotely touch your gun. <laughs> This is, an, this is an amazing society we live in. And never mind the, the actual cost that gun violence costs the taxpayers yeah. per year. I can give the Republicans a little bit of math on this because I've read varying estimates. But it's well over ten times the amount they want to cut from the uh, building sidewalks, bike paths, and crossing guards as part of the Safe Routes to School programs. Mind-boggling. Let's give them a brain damage award and give them, oh, I don't know. How about a ticker tape parade in New York City? They're saving the taxpayer a lot of money. In fact, it's good for school children to walk to school, by golly. There's no point in uh, parents dropping children off in vehicles. Um, Which happens a lot. In, it does, but, but in, a, in a city like Ann Arbor, there's no reason for it. Kids should be allowed to walk to school. And thank goodness they should be, there should be crossing guards to add an extra layer of safety. My God, th th this, is, this is shocking, but not, well, and the idea, not surprising. And the idea that $183 million represents anything like serious or substantial cuts in, yeah. in wasteful government spending. Exactly. I mean, that is a pinprick of uh, just the massive profusion of wealth that's been squirted out of this country into uh, connected pockets. Yeah, and, and we, we, we talked recently about how the Pentagon alone has wasted uh, something like $35 billion this decade in these uh, cost overruns for these weapon systems that even people in the Pentagon don't even want yeah. in some cases. But this pork is kept alive. Um, because of, quote, national security, unquote, or uh, jobs. 
Uh, well, one uh, area of uh, Pentagon spending that might actually be uh, worth the, the pennies per dollar that it probably uh, will receive, representatively speaking, is uh, the Army's finally coming around to the realization uh, that they need... Uh, to address their suicide and depression problem amongst uh, returning vets and even in serving uh, active servicemen. Uh, according to an article in last week's New York Times, Army will train soldiers to cope with emotions, uh, requiring 1.1 million of its soldiers to eventually uh, take intensive training in, quote, emotional resiliency, unquote. And while that phrase is fairly nebulous, uh, it is troubling to note that the range of mental health problems, including depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, and suicide, plague one-fifth of troops returning home from Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, it's uh, one of the hidden costs of war. Indeed, right. And that transfers to each family will bear a cost, both financial and emotionally, uh, for each of these, you know, one-fifth of the... Uh, and even the guys who aren't in that one-fifth, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I don't need to go down that uh, avenue. But uh, for the Army to uh, recognize this and institute the program uh, is commendable. Uh, the fact that it's taken so long and that uh, it will not serve them as well as getting the heck out of Iraq and Afghanistan would. Uh, plus, think of the savings. Yeah, and, and we've uh, reported down here on before, at least I've been fascinated by the fact that the internal army studies themselves, these are the studies that the uh, United States Army has made on the issue of combat stress, indicate that six months of sustained combat stress, 98% of people become psychotic after six months and the two percent that don't they're already sociopaths that are in the army so this policy during the the bush uh, war on terrorism that that have involved in you know roughly a trillion dollars of direct pentagon spending uh, in iraq and afghanistan and the stop loss policy that was mm -hmm. instituted by the um pentagon and donald rumsfeld to avoid going to a draft. You big dummy. Yeah, to avoid going to a draft, and because the coalition of the willing uh, turned out to be not much of a coalition and not that willing, no. particularly after uh, uh, election uh, results in some of the states um, mm -hmm. that initially were part of the coalition of the willing, we need not go into the premier of, uh, of Spain and how he botched the uh, Madrid terrorist event uh, shortly before the election, trying to blame it on uh, the Basque sep separatists mm -hmm. rather than uh, a Al-Qaeda sympath sympathizer group, whatever. Uh, but that uh, doomed his uh, re-election campaign. But I would go so far as to say that the the abuse of uh, the U.S. Armed Forces, the actual servicemen themselves, should be part of a list of crimes uh, that Bush's administration committed. Yeah, and if you, if you want to see what it's like to uh, join the Army and visit faraway places, and all those catchy television commercials that they have, Compare that to Full Metal Jacket, mm -hmm. uh, the first section of Full Metal Jacket. It's basically a two-part movie. Uh, it shows you boot camp, um, and it's got a real drill sergeant there. That, yep. This guy was not uh, selected 
from the Hollywood He's, roster. He became an actor later, but he, be- he was a U.S. Marine Corps drill sergeant, Lee Ermey. Yeah, and Kubrick in that movie, highly underrated uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, particularly, in my opinion, because it was released in the midst of Iran-Contra, and it turned out that Oliver North, Richard Secord, Bud McFarlane, mm. a variety of principals, uh, except for Ronald Reagan, who... Uh, remained oblivious to the events of Iran-Contra and conveniently had a case of amnesia. Uh, They were all Marine Corps guys. Yep. And uh, that will give you an idea of what it's like to join the Army. Now, I am not in no way, shape, or form am disparaging uh, the contribution of the armed services over the years in American history. Uh, World War II was a complete valid use of force by the American government I am not a knee-jerk pacifist, but uh, when wars are characterized as necessities, and I even question the use of Obama's use of that word this past week, though for I, Afghanistan, right? For Afghanistan, though, I understand why he made it. He was visiting the VFW. It's the propaganda they want to hear, mm-hmm. but it's troubling when the president of the United States is is using those kinds of words. Now, it's obviously a political jab at the previous administration. Uh, regarding the war in Iraq, but the war in Afghanistan is not a necessity. Counteracting al-Qaeda is, and there are many different uh, tactics and strategies that you can use that don't involve direct warfare, unmanned drones, bombing uh, uh, villages where you think there may be a a terrorist or two uh, hiding out somewhere eating baba ganoush and tabbouleh in a tent. Uh, Those tactics... (laughs) don't strike me as terribly effective when innocent civilians are killed. So, um, I wanted to thank Andrew this uh, evening for engineering once again. Uh, do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling is coming up shortly. And uh, next week, I, I, did wanna, I didn't get a chance to get to this, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the Pan Am 103 uh, case. Because a strange case. Strange case and um, inadequately covered, I think, by the mainstream media regarding the some of the issues. Um, I would, uh, I don't know, uh, chastise the media for overemphasizing the so-called hero's welcome that McGrahi received in Libya, because I don't think it was quite the hero's welcome. Well, it could just be a family, you know, yeah. a, a receptive welcoming of a family member. Yeah. Uh, not so much a, you know, good job. Yeah, there, 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 I don't think there was much of that, and uh, I don't agree that there's any sort of linkage between this and oil uh, deals with uh, Britain, because Britain exports oil. Indeed. <laughs> let's, let's get the facts straight. Anyway, uh, we're out of time. Uh, Tex might be in tonight for Yazoo City Colony. Yeah, so, so do stay enjoy tuned. That. Tex is uh, always entertaining. He did a great show on uh, Saturday, this uh, past week, uh, Down Home Show. I, I heard it, loved it. And, uh, of course, Jim and family appear later on Saturday uh, afternoons at 5 p.m. here on this fine station. Adieu. Coming directly from the Hilton Hotel. On top of the Hilton Hotel. For your entertainment pleasure. WCBN, FM, Ann Arbor. If you were any further left, you'd be watching TV.